is Moving Pictures. I'm your host, Brent Gunn. I'm your co-host, Mitchell Kakalka. So musicals. Mm-hmm. Usually, I when I hear musicals, or I guess when most people hear about musicals, they probably think of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz. Yeah, kind of this old Hollywood kind of um, aesthetic of what yeah. movies were back then. Grandma Hollywood. Yeah. They, they think of that era. Recently, you know, we've had things like Hamilton mm-hmm. uh, on Broadway. I mean, things like Rent have gone on forever, unfortunately. There's no shortage of musical entertainment like La La Land, another one. But today we're going to talk about why we feel that musicals, especially today, are underutilized. Yeah. And we feel like it's a specific type of film or I guess genre of film that could be done there, there's more there's more there yeah it doesn't really have to be separate island from what from like mainstream entertainment i mean the, just like the word like musicals we're talking about film kind of makes a lot of people like get immediately disinterested yeah it almost kind of um just like the name alone phonetically it makes you think that it's more a musical experience than a film experience mm-hmm. which i mean no one i mean people do listen to musical soundtracks don't get me wrong but the, 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 it is a film. It, mm-hmm. I, it's it's a film before anything else, yeah. definitely. It's a medium to be viewed in the same way any other film would be. I mean, looking back at, you know, watching Oklahoma, watching Wizard of Oz playing and things like Wizard of Oz in a high school and like the pit orchestra, um, thoroughly modern Millie, I was exposed to musicals very much growing up. Mm-hmm. And... I have a little bit of a caveat with people who kind of always assume that musicals have to be this kind of fanciful, fantastical, you know, separated from from reality affair. Um, Mm -hmm. There's this great review of a film that we're going to be talking about in a little bit, Dancer in the Dark, where the reviewer praised the film and gave it a five-star review. But in her review, she mentioned that... uh, all all musicals have have ridiculous plots and have you know these these, these ridiculous characters and I I think that's what people get wrong about musicals. Mm. I feel like the appeal of a musical, especially the musical aspect of it, is the expression in a normal film is elevated to such a kind of I guess euphoric extent. Yeah, that your disbelief is supposed to be suspended more because it's so kind of blissful and it is kind of naive and you're. Mm-hmm. You 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 suspend more disbelief in a musical, sure, but I don't think that that means necessarily that all musicals work on these ridiculous, like you know, razor thin plots, and yeah. you know, they're they're simpler entertainment by design. Mm-hmm. I think, and may I think like a big um, component of that kind of separates music musicals from other forms of entertainment is how. The, the blending between like the musical aspect and storytelling aspect. Like when you like listen to the musical soundtracks, which is kind of something that I've run into when I, was, when I just like try to get more into musicals. I listen to soundtracks without actually watching the stage production or watching yeah. the film. You can kind of miss a lot of elements of the plot because when um, people sing in musicals, it's kind of an expression of like what their characters are. Or it's in response to their environment sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of, which is obviously like separate from a typical movie plot, but it's also separate from what people kind of expect from music. Like look at like typical, typical um, songs are 
three to four minutes, their own complete, their own self-contained story, their own self-contained universe. A lot of times with popular music, it's they, they're not very specific with their lyrics. Like a Taylor Swift song is meant to appeal to like the broadest possible audience. Like have like people kind of transpond themselves like onto what she's talking about. Right. Whereas musicals where it's more direct. This is a character singing about what they're feeling, what they're what's happening to them within their environment, like you said, within their world of the story. Yeah, and there's also that um, that level of tangibility in, in a musical, especially when you see a musical live, mm-hmm. where you can feel the, the human element of their voice. I, yeah. I remember I saw the live-action Beauty and the Beast when it came out, like, I, I believe last year. Yep. And uh, Emma Watson. Watson, I can never keep all, the, <laughs> all those different Emma's straight. Um, the auto tune that was put on her voice or the melodyne or whatever they, they put on there, it was so unnatural and it caused such a contrast with the rest of the film. Cause it's like, she'd be walking down the street and like, you know, she'd skip and her voice would never break. Oh, okay. Like it, it, it just felt so like you could tell it was recorded in a studio and just thrown in there. Mm-hmm. I really hate when musicals look like that. I know that uh, that the, the modern Les Mis gets a lot of flack, but to my knowledge, weren't those were all sung like in the actual scenes, right? Yeah. And I, I respect the hell out of that because I I think that's that's like the best way to do musicals. Yeah, just make it makes make it actually feel like real and like it's act and the thing is actually part of the world, especially when it's like a really depressing mm. plot. I mean that would actually be a perfect segue into Dancer in the Dark, talking about a depressing musical. Now, Dancer in the Dark is a 2000 film by uh, L- Lars von Trier. Stars Bjork, the Icelandic pop mm-hmm. singer. Was that her only acting role? I think she's definitely her first. I, I think she's had a couple other minor things since then, but she kind of swore off acting after because it, <laughs> it was such like an emotionally pulling experience on her in mm-hmm. the film. The thing that I love about the film so much is it tells a very kind of I, I think relatable story, especially for, you know, a parent about this, you know, struggling immigrant mother who is losing her vision. And uh, she realizes that the reason why she's losing her vision is this hereditary problem in her family, which is getting passed on to her son. So throughout the film, she works at this factory and she tries to raise enough money to give her son preventative surgery to make sure that he doesn't lose his sight completely like she ends up doing in the film. When the film starts, she's kind of losing her vision, but by the end of the film, she's essentially blind. And throughout different parts in the film, uh, the first musical cue, or I guess, you know, piece 
is her in the factory kind of uh, daydreaming and the different factory machines kind of form a rhythm and a beat and you know the, the factory workers start dancing and she's on the conveyor belts and the way that her voice sounds the way that the film is shot it's it's shot so kind of harshly and realistically on like kind of cheaper digital cameras of the time bear in mind it's like a 20 year old film um so all of those kind of emotional cracks or any of those flaws in her character or any of those kind of imperfections in in her voice and her performance are highlighted and i think purposefully because the film is really emotionally vulnerable as it continues on with the plot. I don't want to you know, spoil the ending for you because it's really a powerful film. But one of my favorite, absolutely favorite moments in the film is this beautiful train scene um, where she uh, sings, I've seen it all. Hands down, one of my favorite scenes in like any movie, period. Mm-hmm. The way that the, the story works, uh, the, the way that the, the plot kind of arcs right there when you learn that it's confirmed that she's losing her vision and she breaks into this song about how well i've seen everything there is to see anyway so why does it matter mm-hmm. it's such a beautiful it captures the entire theme of the film the romanticism of the film uh the way that the the, the scene is choreographed and shot it's just so beautiful i i'd almost recommend you can just watch that scene alone mm-hmm. and it it just takes so much out of you as an audience a film like Dance in the Dark really, I, I think, explores more of what musicals could be if if people were willing to let let the the genre have a little bit more wiggle room. Yeah, and that scene in particular is a good example of how um, Lars von Trier, like with his movie, the train really, scene, the train yeah, scene, yeah. Um, I've seen it all, really utilizes u- utilizes the. Um, medium of film to kind of um, create his, leave his own like footprint like the musical genre yeah and um through the choreography which you mentioned is something that you can't do on a stage like it has there's people like dancing on top of a moving train yeah it's, yeah and that, that that's what i love too because you know in plays you are very limited just yeah. just you know pr- pragmatically you can only do so much mm. even on broadway but in film you really have all the freedom that your budget allows. Yeah. And being able to see these really kind of epic musical scenes, I mean, I don't see that too much in a lot of musicals that come out today. I mean, there there are good examples like, you know, Hamilton, but again, that's a stage show and they are kind of limited. Yeah. Or even something like La La Land, where sure it's 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 a it's a pretty film. Mm-hmm. It's a well choreographed film, but it doesn't really ever feel authentic. They're definitely with that film. They're definitely kind of appealing to this old Hollywood sensibility of what a musical is, what a movie musical is. So they don't really kind of push the boundaries of what they can do with film that they can't, wouldn't be able to do um, on a stage. Which most of the movies that they're kind of paying homage to were like direct stage adaptations, right? And musical like Rent, which did have you know a, a stage show and then a later film adaptation i i like the idea of a musical especially in the modern setting exploring social phenomena of the era of of the era or social Mm -hmm. struggles of the era i really wish we had more of that going on today if there's a bunch of musicals happening right now that are exploring social hang-ups please like you know 
send them my way. I'd love to, to see these are, but since Rent, which did a terrible job at, at you know dealing with the source material, I'm, I'm surprised we don't have more musicals about trans individuals or the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. It just seems like there would be more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, there only probably is kind of more like underground and less popular. Um, I spent like off-Broadway for sure. Yeah. But I mean, for, for like a widespread film, I, I can't think of anything since literally Rent that, that even broached the subject. As far as a film that kind of, well, I mean, it's not a film yet, but In the Heights, I believe it's called, um, Lin-Manuel Miranda's kind of first big musical before, a couple of years before Hamilton, that just got greenlit for a film adaptation oh, okay. in 2020. And that's kind of about his um, semi-autobiographical of him or at least it draws from his experience of growing up. I believe it's in New York, kind of in a um, more Hispanically Puerto Rican aligned um, section of New York. Right. Which doesn't, not exactly um, confronting social reality in the same way that Rent tried to, yeah. but it could definitely be like kind of be another like stepping stone of getting towards like a more inclusive musical experience. Yeah. And going off of that, I mean, there's films that have come out recently, like something like Inside Lewin Davis, mm-hmm. which I wouldn't necessarily consider a musical. No. But I, I would consider a film, it could be a musical in a technical sense. Mm-hmm. In in a more broad sense, you know, a musical is a film that primarily uses music to push a story forward. Yeah. And not a musical, I, I, I'm aware, but I remember growing up the first time I watched Walk the Line, Walking uh, Phoenix, Reese Witherspoon, both. Uh, sang in in the film i don't believe they you know, they were singing within the scenes necessarily but they were their recorded voices and watching that film growing up and seeing the music inserted the into the film as this kind of matter of fact thing it never felt so fantastical and separated that i felt like i wasn't that i felt like i was watching a movie yeah. i felt like i was watching the performances that's something that I really wish more musicals did. Mm, that's and that's probably like a perfect segue into one of the movies I really want to talk about. Um, 2007 film by John Carney, Once. Who'd you write this song for? She's gone. She's dead? No, she's not dead. He's gone. Orchestra, like at home. You don't want to go for a walk or something, huh? Take this and put it home. It takes place in Dublin, Ireland. It kind of centers around um, a street musician who, the, I want to say, fall, they kind of fall in love, but not. It's not like a traditional romance with a um, Czechoslovakian immigrant woman, and they she, who's also trying to be kind of a, she's an aspiring um, musician songwriter, and the so the film is on the surface kind of like a pretty basic love story. It was shot on a very thin budget for um, for, for uh, considering like how, what it usually takes to make movies and I think it's less than fifty thousand. It might have been like twenty thousand something. And that really shows it's a very has a very antithetical to like what people expect from musicals. It has a very 
home movie-esque, kind of almost like documentary-like um, feel to it. Okay. Um, again, because it centers around like musicians, not not characters who just happens to, like breaking the song. It centers around musicians. Right. There's really never in the movie, and there's a good like maybe eight, nine, or ten musical segments, but they're all scenes where these musicians are re- um, recording songs. One of the very first ones is just the main character. Um, I think they're literally just called a like, guy and girl, and that's kind of how like stripped down this movie is. Yeah, guy is just like in the middle of the street, like um, strumming on his guitar and like singing with no auto tune, no anything. Um, a song that he wrote, and that's how he actually meets girl. Like she comes along and she appreciates his music. And, and the, does, does the music feel like it's kind of like in the yeah the environment of the yeah the that's um, cool and i think like the only time where um it kind of breaks that rule is what um but at the same time that really doesn't is when a girl is trying to is trying to like write a song and she's just kind of like walking down the street and she has like the lyric she has like lyrics that she scribbled on a piece of paper right. she's like humming to herself at first and she's like singing it out loud and there's kind of a little bit of like a musical background to it that you can't really it's, it's you can only really like notice it once you actually try to pay attention to it and that's really the only time where the music comes from someplace that's not like directly on screen like most of the times it's them especially towards the end sam like recording in a studio like the songs that they're playing which which also kind of ties back into like the overall plot which is about these over these two people like falling in love songs um in themselves are kind of like self-contained pieces of art yeah that you don't really which is a difference from like the typical musical where songs are elements of the story but in this case where it's a story of two two musicians like forming a relationship you can kind of see how the songs that they write are inspired by what they're going through in real life yeah um that kind of reminds me of dancer in the dark too because it's a you know there's musical parts but a majority of the film is just kind of straight film. Mm-hmm. And then these musical moments are kind of reserved for when like there's this big emotional peak or something. Yeah. And it feels like you can't really express those feelings of the character in any other way, but by allowing them to sing or something. Um, once it reminds me a lot of a film called Frank. Have you seen Frank? I haven't seen it yet. It's the Michael Fassbender one, isn't it? I believe so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's the guy with yeah, the, the giant yeah. like paper mache head. Um mm-hmm. Frank is a if if once is considered a musical, I would probably say that Frank is considered a musical somewhat too. It's about, you know, this this kind of estranged wannabe musician who joins this group of like these very kind of out there avant-gardist types who um frank is their leader they've never seen his face he he wears this giant paper mache head and he's super eccentric and they they like go to this studio in this like obscure forest to record and they they, they keep you know they'll, they'll record an album's worth of material and they'll delete it all and they'll start over and start over and it really explores um through that kind of musical process of like you're you're watching songs be constructed and then abandoned a lot throughout the film Mm -hmm. and that's a really interesting way to approach music or musicality in your film because the whole point of the film is this kind of so self-imposed pressure that artists put upon themselves and uh 
what that kind of pressure can can do to your psyche. So by constantly seeing these failures over and over and over again materialize into Frank's literal like mental state, it's really interesting to to, to me. And I again, it just feels like people that want to get into musicals should be watching maybe just musical films yeah. to maybe get more inspiration. Because mm-hmm. I feel like if you're only taking in, you know, musicals, you're only going to really like emulate what you're seeing rather yeah. than find a new way to kind of uh, just approach it a little bit differently. Like mm-hmm. um, we, 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 we talked about Buffalo 66 before, and there's a couple moments in that film where it, 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 explores music in a couple really interesting and unique ways um you know with one character kind of singing but it's very clear they're lip syncing but you're supposed to believe that they actually are singing it's like a phonograph record and you're supposed to believe it's their voice when it clearly isn't um to this like this kind of one-off musical number where the lead um love interest is kind of dancing to oh i can't i believe it's a king crimson song Uh and uh they're very brief, but the, the 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 director of the film even considered the the film a musical to an extent because he felt like even though there were brief musical cues, the music kind of worked in the same way that a musical would employ music, uh-huh. and I I think that that's really interesting. If I can still get up there. <laughs> Where angels fear to tread God, your voice is so beautiful. Yeah, well, let's go and eat. Can I hear one more? No, no, I, I'm hungry. I'm shaking with hunger. <laughs> let's Please, go. Just one more song. No more! Okay? I'm sorry, honey. Jesus Christ. Yeah, playing to the strengths of, like, the film medium is um, definitely something that films could do a lot more. Um, especially when they're adapting, when they're trying to um, appeal to this idea of what a musical is. Um, I know you're not the biggest fan of it, but Baby Driver, by Abby Wright, I think did this pretty well for what, considering like what it was trying to go for, like a, a movie where music is kind of like directly and kind of like irremovably intertwined with the, how the story progresses and like how individual scenes go go forward. And uh, Suicide Squad. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> having that vein, yeah. I know, like, Martin Scorsese does kind of cut, uh, have a lot of scenes in his movies that are um, kind of made by, like, the music that he plays in them. The, um, he does that so much in Goodfellas. Yeah. The, oh, my God. Probably, like, the most, like, prevalent example, like, the <laughs> scene with it after the robbery when they're, like, discovering all the bodies. And it has, um, 
um, Derek and the Dominoes, mm-hmm. Layla playing. Like, it's, it's a really good song, but I can't listen to it like now without <laughs> thinking of that scene from Goodfellas. I, I love that scene where, uh, and then he kissed me as playing, and that's the scene where um, he kind of introduces her to his to all of the privilege and excess he has. Like they just walk into the club, they walk yeah. through the kitchen, and it's like the six or like a five minute long single shot. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's shot beautifully and i it captures that whole wonder of a date yeah but it's also kind of seedy and creepy at the same time mm-hmm. man goodfellas is such a like that that's another good example of uh understanding musicality in in the language of filmmaking without necessarily making a musical and yeah. i feel like another good example would be the film adaptation of rent that's an example of someone adapting a musical to film without understanding how to implement music in the language of cinema. And that may sound kind of convoluted or, you know, overly wordy, but when you actually are, you know, writing a film or constructing a film, you need to take those kind of uh, technical, theoretical ideas into question. Otherwise, you're going to do those editing mistakes that are going to completely take your audience out of the film, like Emma Watson sounding alien to what's happening on the screen. It's not necessarily in film, but music, but something I just um, trying to get more into like podcasts. Besides Moving Fishes, great podcast, you should listen to it. But um, I'm trying to get more into podcasts like in general. And one of the first ones I just kind of went through was called uh, Thirty Six Questions. I think I've heard of that. Yeah, it's it's musical in the form of a podcast. It's pretty like basic stripped down plots. If you ever heard of the thirty six questions to make you fall in love, mm-hmm. if you've probably seen them like shared on Facebook, it's about an estranged couple who's trying to fall back into love, and the um, wife slash like ex wife characters is kind of trying to get her husband to answer these questions so they can for reform like the bond that kind of splintered and does break into like musical segments but it's all but they utilize um the medium of the podcast pretty well um, yeah and that's that's an interesting way to approach it i i haven't seen other examples of approaching a musical with like the podcast format mm. we, re- we really have to step up our game i guess yeah <laughs> start just busting in the song but yeah i i think that it, it's it's inspiring and it's cool to see people want to take this this genre, which again seems to come from Grandma Hollywood, and they still want to do new things with. It. There's there's people that love it so much that they want to push it forward, and uh, I think it's pretty easy to tell what people care and what people don't. It's the people that want to continuously push something forward and you know continue what they love about it and and make it new, rather than the people that just want to regurgitate to sell sell some more tickets mm. to you know whatever musical that we've already seen advice I, I guess for anyone who maybe wants to you know make make musicals get get musicals more into like the the mainstream of of cinema understand music first off and i, I don't mean just like you know like music i i think it's a very good thing to restudy music um, study audio mixing, studying th- those theoretical and those editing problems, because musicals, especially musical films, those are editing uh, tasks, mm-hmm. syncing all that footage together, syncing the audio, making it seamless, creating that atmosphere. It's, pr- it's pretty difficult to do. 
So if you want to push it forward, you need, a, you need to study musicality in the cinematic language, and you need to take the cinematic language seriously. Otherwise, we're never going to move beyond something like La La Land. Mm-hmm. This has been Moving Pictures. I'm your host, Brent Gunn. I'm your co-host, Mitchell Kakalka. Thank you for listening. 